hey, welcome to church today. Come on, you made it. You braved the snow. want to welcome everybody that is sitting on their couch watching YouTube live this morning. Uh, hey, welcome. Uh, whoever's going to watch us throughout the week on, through our website and YouTube live, our, our YouTube page, and then uh, is going to listen to our podcast. Hey, thank you for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. Hey, you, we're here today. We might as well have some church, right? Come on. Hey, I want to thank Roy and Lance for shoveling uh, the sidewalks. I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday you guys did that? Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you guys. Um, also, if you did not get the email telling you that we were moving back the service to one service into 930, um, if you could go to your junk folder, okay, and add us to your email, it's the new database management system that did that, okay? And so uh, if you could do that so you could get emails going forward, that would be wonderful, okay? Awesome. We are in a series called Treasure Hunt, all right, part four. We've been talking about discovery. We've been talking about digging. We've been talking about treasuring uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit. In part four today, treasure your own yard. Treasure your own yard. Maybe today you're like, well, Pastor, I don't have a yard. Okay, I live in a condo or an apartment, right? Listen, it's a metaphor, okay? It's a metaphor for your life, all right? Treasure your own yard. Yard, come on, let's pray and we'll get into God's word today. Father, we thank you for this moment, Jesus. We thank you for right now. I think if every person that's in this room today and who's watching us online and who's going to listen to us, Father, God, we thank you for their lives, Lord. God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us right now, God. Open our hearts, open our minds to the understanding of your word today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and amen. Uh, what I love about one service is I don't have to uh, reserve anything for second service, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all that I got right now in one service, okay? I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard this. I don't know if you guys have heard this old phrase. I'm sure you have. The grass is greener on the other side. You ever heard of that? There's like an old phrase, the grass is greener on the other side. Well, they've taken that phrase and they've made it into a syndrome, okay? I don't know who makes up the syndromes. I don't know if it's the government or some psychologist or, or the FDA. I don't know, but they've made, they've made it a syndrome, the grass is greener syndrome. And what this syndrome is, it's rooted in fear, and basically fear of any commitment, okay? So if you have the grass is greener syndrome, you are afraid of anything long-term, right? Because, so let, let's say you have the grass is greener syndrome in a relationship, okay? You're in a relationship, and you're always thinking, there's a better relationship out there for me, right? Because the grass is always greener on the other side. Or maybe you're in a job or you're in a career. You're always thinking there's a better job. And, and you, you, you have this fear of commitment. And so you don't ever stay in anything very long or long, long term, right? And, and you're always thinking, man, the grass is always greener on the other side. And then there's another saying, old saying that says, the grass is greener 
when you water it, right? Like you, right? Wherever you water your 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 yard, that is where it turns green, right? And and this grass is greener syndrome, um, man, has plagued our society today and has stopped us from being committed to some of the things that God has in store for us, right? Where we're at. I don't know if you you uh, have ever seen this, but I love it. It's the um, the cost estimator, the living cost estimator. Um, I don't know if Yahoo publishes it or, or who does it, but they, they publish it a couple times a year, and it shows you the whole United States where you could retire uh, comfortably, um, and it also shows you uh, what you have to make an hour to live a middle-class lifestyle, okay? And I love it. I don't know why I love it, but I love to look at it. And there's two cities, there's two cities, one in Arkansas, and one in Mississippi, where if you make $10 an hour, you can live comfortably in a middle-class lifestyle, right? And so you think about that, you're like, wow, like we could go work at McDonald's and live a nice middle-class lifestyle, right? Here's the grass is greener syndrome, right? You know, where we're struggling and, and you, know, you know, to buy a house here and make ends meet. Let's just Let's just move to that city in Arkansas. Well, here's the thing. If you ever visited those cities, there's a reason why nobody lives there, right? Like, there's no jobs, there's no housing, there's a reason why it's so cheap to live there, right? And many times the grass seems greener on the other side, but when we get there, we realize that it's artificial turf. Right? What what we're seeing isn't the reality. Matthew 13, 44, and we talked about this passage a couple weeks ago, but I want to talk about it from a different angle today, uh, an angle that I've really never taught on before. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Okay, so let me give you a quick context. This guy is walking in somebody else's field. He does not own the field. He finds something really valuable, right? He finds something really valuable. He buries it in this other person's yard. He goes and he tries to buy the land. He tries to buy the property, but he doesn't have enough money. So he goes home and sells everything that he has. He comes back and then purchases the land so he can get this great treasure. And what I was thinking about this week as I was reading that scripture is what what is the guy thinking who is selling the land to this guy, right? He's probably thinking he's getting a really good deal, like he's ripping this guy off. But the guy who's selling his land, who's giving up, he doesn't realize that he has the greatest treasure of all time in his backyard. And so that made me think about what are we giving away in our lives that we don't realize that God has placed in us. See, this guy didn't understand that he had the greatest treasure of all time. And he's selling it, thinking he's getting a good deal. There's a story that I came across this summer. And I do a lot of reading in the summer. I do a lot of researching in the summer. And uh, we were actually uh, on the beach, and I was reading uh, different stories. And this is one of these stories that I took and I put it in my pocket. And I'm like, I can't wait 
to use that in an illustration someday. Okay, and this is the day. It, it is such a great story. And I've been waiting a long time to share this with you. And uh, it, it's a story that was written in the 1800s. And it was written by Russell Conwell. And Russell Conwell was a minister. He was uh, the first president of Temple University. Uh, he was a lawyer. He, he was an explorer. I mean, he lived a fascinating life, was Russell Conwell. And he talks of this story really around uh, the mid-1850s, he talks of this story. He was, he was exploring the Middle East. He was exploring the Middle East. And he talks of this Arab guide that was telling him this true story. And, and so what he ends up doing, Russell Conwell ends up taking this story and he writes out a pamphlet. And, and in 18, I believe in 1850, it sold over 7 million copies, this story I'm going to tell you today. Okay, so the story is about a guy by the name of al Hafed. Okay, and, and he lived on a farm. He was a farmer. And his, his farm was, was pretty good. It was a pretty good farm. And, and it, it produced enough crops for, for his family to eat and also for them to make a, a little money. He had a couple kids. He had a beautiful wife. And he was content. And because he was content, he was happy. He loved his life. He loved his farm. He loved his family. He loved his wife. He was completely content. Because he was content, he was happy. Then one day, this old Buddhist priest came by. And this old Buddhist priest started talking to Al about the diamond rush. There was this big diamond rush that was happening. And he's like, man, everybody's finding diamonds. Listen, if you find a diamond the size of your thumbnail, you can buy a farm just like this. Just think if you went and found 12 diamonds just like that, you could buy 12 farms. Not only would you be wealthy, but your kids' kids would be wealthy. Everybody would be rich. After that day, Al, he, couldn't, he became obsessed, obsessed with diamonds. Like he could not stop thinking about diamonds. That's all he could think about. And, and, and slowly he became discontent with his life and with his farm, and with his family, and he just obsessed about diamonds all of the time. So he took his family and moved them in with relatives and sold everything. He sold everything that he had, and he told his family, I'm off to find diamonds, and when I come back, we're all going to be super rich. And so he went off. He went off to discover diamonds, and he went all over the world. He went all over the world and he spent everything that he had and he couldn't find any diamonds. At this point in his life, he, he's literally in rags. He, he, he's walking around in rags and wherever he was, there was this big tidal wave that came. This big tidal wave came. Instead of running from this big tidal wave and this big storm, he actually jumps into the sea. But his last words were, there are no diamonds anywhere. And he jumps into the sea. And so, meanwhile, some of you are like, Pastor, you saved that story? That's really depressing, right? You've been saving that for months? Seriously? <laughs> and meanwhile, the, the farm that he sold, uh, he sold everything to, they were working the land, just as Al Hafed had been working the land. And, and one day, they were out in the field, and he's watering his animals. He's He's watering animals and he's taking care of his animals. And 
all of a sudden, the water washed away this, this stone that was in the sand. And, and he picks it up and he just looks at it and he's like, oh, that's a cool rock. And, and I think I'll put it on the mantle of my fireplace. I don't have anything there yet. And, and I think I'll just put a, a nice little rock on there. And so uh, he, he, he puts it on his mantle and goes back to, to his farm business. Now, this same old Buddhist priest came by. Uh, to welcome the family to the neighborhood or whatever. And uh, he's talking to the family. And he walks in to where this fireplace and this mantle is. And he goes, where did you get that? Where did you get that? And uh, that rock, he's like, yeah, where did you get that? And he says, oh, um, that, I just got that on my land. You know, he goes, do you know what that is? And he goes, yeah, it's a rock. He's like, no, that is a diamond in the raw. He's like, no way, that can't be. I just got that from my yard. He's like, I just got that from, you know, watering the animals, and I thought it looked cool. He goes, no, that is one of the largest diamonds in the raw that I've ever seen. They ended up selling that first diamond for $25,000. This was in 1850, okay? It's like millions of dollars today. And what they ended up finding is there just wasn't one diamond there were acres of diamonds on this land. And history shows that this, this land, this farmer's land, ends up becoming uh, the famous Golconda uh, Mines. Uh, it became so famous, this land became so famous that the Queen of England only wanted her diamonds from the Golconda Mines. And so the moral of the story is maybe what you truly desire is right in your backyard. And don't ever trust the Buddhist priest. <laughs> right? That maybe, right, well, maybe we got this grass is greener syndrome and we're looking different places when the reality is, is God has you right here for this moment, for a purpose, and he has acres of diamonds for your life. Right where you're at, if you're willing to look, if you're willing to dig, if you're willing to discover what God has, He has acres of diamonds for us. I want to give you the de definition of treasure. The definition of treasure is a quantity of precious metals, gems, or other valuable objects. A quantity. A quantity. That means a lot. God has a lot for our lives. God has a quantity. He has acres of diamonds for us. Not just one treasure, right? When I think about a treasure, you know, you think about a treasure chest and you open it up, there's not just one coin in there, right? There, there's just not one gem. There's multiple gems. There's multiple, there's multiple treasure. This is what it's like to serve God. This is what it's like to follow God. He's got acres of diamonds. He's got many different treasures in store for our lives. What if you say today, Pastor, I don't, if you could see my life, my life is a disaster and I don't believe there's any treasure there. Right? What, what, if, what if, like, Pastor, if you could see my, my life is a disaster. My yard is a disaster. If you could see it, Pastor, you wouldn't be 
saying that, I'm going to show you my literal yard from two weeks ago, okay? I want to give you a picture of what your, your life might look like. Go ahead and put my yard up. Okay, so we're, this is my yard, okay? We're not having a garage sale, okay, or a state sale. Um, we had a 40-yard a cubic dumpster um, that we've been dumping stuff in for months and months. You know, there's a grill. There's actually a, a tub in there. You want to show the next picture? Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good picture. There's a tub. There's a fridge. Uh, there's a stove in there, too. Um, we've just been doing some renovation in the house, and it all went into this 40-yard cubic dumpster. And um, one day, uh, the company, RCI, Oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry. Decided to um, teach us a lesson. I don't, I don't know. And uh, they sent a guy over there uh, because they thought the, the dumpster was stolen. They, they thought it was stolen. And so they took it and told the guy to dump all the trash on our front yard. And so that's, that's what he did, right? And my wife called the company and said, um, you know, what happened? Did, did somebody steal it? And they're like, no, we did it on purpose. And, and um, she's like, you couldn't, you know, come talk to us. They're like, we didn't know how to get a hold of you. And, and you knew where we lived. You can knock on the door. Anyway, anyway, bless them, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, it worked out that I could use it as a great illustration, right? <laughs> because we have an awesome community. We had a bunch of guys come over and we cleaned it up in a couple hours, okay? But maybe, maybe this is what your life looks like, right? And let me tell you, we've been trying to get our neighbors to slow down on our yard because our kids play in the street. This did the job, okay? Like people were like stopping in front of our house. It was great. But maybe like that, you can leave it up, Matt. We can leave it up. Maybe this is maybe this is what your life looks like. You're like, Pastor, like, man, all my stuff is out on the yard. Like everybody knows my past. Everybody knows my junk. Everybody knows what I'm currently going through. It's like my tub is out on the front yard. My fridge is out on the front. You know, my shit. Like it's every like pastor, if you knew. Like this is literally what my life looks like. You can take it down now. You know who else thought that way? David. David had moments like this where his trash was on his front yard. And, and, and he was going through it. Let's read it today in Psalms 42, 3-4. David says this, Day and night I have only tears for food. Okay, he's, he's going through so much trouble right now. He's going through so much stress right now. He can't eat. He can't eat. All he is doing is weeping. All he's doing is, is crying. Day and night, I have only tears for food. He is struggling right now. David is struggling. While my enemies continue to taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? You ever feel like that? You, you, you ever feel like God 
is missing in your life? You ever feel like he's, he's gone silent? You ever go through anything difficult and, and you're struggling through something and you're like, God, where are you? God, where are you in this situation? I can't hear you. Can you please give me some direction here, God? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Now, I love this because we do this all the time too, right? When we're going through difficult times, when we go through struggles, what, what do we do? We romanticize the past, right? The good old days. If I could just go, if I could just go back to the good old days, right? And the, and the truth is, is that we, we just filter out all the bad stuff from our past, right? And we just remember the highlights and the good things. And we don't realize that the past was actually really bad too, right? And, and, and that, and, but here's David, he's romanticizing the past like the good old days. If I could just go back. He says this, as I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. And so he's filtering out all the bad stuff. He's only remembering the good stuff about his past. Let's continue. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Look at those two things. Discouragement and sadness. Neither one of those are sins. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to be sad. We have a sign on the side of our church that says, it's okay not to be okay. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to be discouraged today. It is okay to feel like God has gone silent on your life today. It's okay. Look at the next, look at the next phrase. I will put my hope in God. He starts to talk to himself. Some of us, man, we need to start talking to ourselves. Some of us, we need to start preaching to ourselves. Come on. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I will put my hope. Listen, the only hope in this world is Jesus. And let me tell you, He is enough. Jesus is enough for any circumstance or situation that you might be in or you might go in. Jesus is enough. What He did on that cross was enough. No matter how sad you are today, no matter how discouraged you are today, no matter how absent you think God is, he is right by your side today. He is right with you today. Romans, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 5, 3 through 5. And this is the message version because I like it. He says this, there's more to come. Come on, everybody say today, there's more to come. There's Let's say it again like you believe it. There's Come on, there's more to come for your life. 
There's more to come. God isn't finished with you yet. There is more to come today. There is more to come in your future. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. Not just regular patience, right? Passionate patience in us. And how that patience in turn forges the tempered of steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. I love that. We continue to shout praise even though we're stuck in trouble. That, that's what he's talking about, man. When you're stuck in trouble, when you're stuck in a situation where you, you don't think that there's any way out, what is God doing? He's developing something in us. Passionate patience. He's, he's forging something in us that is going to last, just not in this moment, but for the rest of our lives. Because God's going to do something next. There's more to come, and God always has a next for our lives. I love that. He, God gives us a hope and a future. Just not a hope, but He gives us a future. There's always more to come. There's always next with God. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We talked about this last week. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week, that man, God just wants to pour, and then He wants to overflow in our lives. Why? Because He wants to, us to overflow on other people. He wants the, man, He wants the Holy Spirit so overflowing in us. When we walk into work, man, people can feel the joy of the Lord. People can feel the peace of God. People can feel the love, the grace of God in our lives. Man, God wants to pour into our lives, but He needs that vessel, right? He needs that vessel to contain all the acres of diamonds, all the treasure that He has in store for us. But it's not just for us to hoard. but It's for us to share with everybody that we come in contact in. 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18 For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, you have to understand who's saying this, right? This isn't a guy who, who lived a prima donna life, okay? This guy isn't in a castle somewhere, right, with servants. No, he's, he's in prison. Like, like he's, he's running for his life. Like he's been beaten. He's been flogged, right? He, he's been stoned to death. Like this guy has seen it all. He's gone through it, right? And he's writing this. Listen, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. This is what's awesome about God, is that His diamonds, not only the treasure that He has for us today, but his diamonds truly 
last forever. The acres of diamonds that He gives us, not only are they for this lifetime, but they will last into eternity. God's diamonds truly last forever. I want to leave us with with this thought this, this morning. We serve a God who meets us right where we're at. Isn't that amazing? Like He meets us. He, he doesn't wait for us to, to get to a certain place in life. He doesn't wait for us to get out of debt before He, he, he meets us. He doesn't wait for us to get all cleaned up, right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't wait for us to, to memorize 45 memory verses, right? Scripture verses, right? Like God meets us right where we're at. We serve the God of the now. And the Holy Spirit is here right now. And He wants to meet you right now in this moment. We serve the God of the now moment. And I I don't want us, man, I don't want us to miss a moment with God. And right now, He wants to have a moment with us. There's a guy by the name of Levi, better known as Matthew. He was a tax collector. And literally nobody liked him. Like he was a vile human being. Like the tax collectors were the worst of the worst of human beings, right? The Jews didn't like him. And the Romans didn't like him. He literally had no friends other than the people that he could buy to come to his house and, and hang out with him. Like, like he was a vile human being. Nobody liked Matthew. And where does Jesus meet him? Jesus meets him in his tax collector booth. He meets him at work. He meets him right where he's at. Jesus walks up to Matthew and he says, follow me. A person that nobody liked, Jesus saw him. He says, follow me. Matthew leaves his tax collector booth and he follows Jesus. Jesus wants to meet you at your workplace. Andrew and, and, and Peter were fishing all night long for hours. I don't know, maybe 12 hours. And, and, and they didn't catch anything. Nothing. Like, they were so disappointed. Yeah, you want to talk about disappointment? They were disappointed. Like, they were fishing all night long and they couldn't catch anything. And it was that morning in their disappointment who meets them? Jesus. He meets them right in the middle of their disappointment. Man, if you're disappointed today, Jesus wants to meet you in your disappointment. But you know what he says to him them next? He says, he says, shove off deeper. I want you to go deeper. Maybe that's what God is calling you out. He's calling you to go deeper today and not just stay on the shallows. Not just staying in the shallows of weighing in, right? Last week we talked about ankles and knees. Man, there's some of you today, you just need to jump in. You just need to fully submerge yourself in the Holy Spirit and say, God, I surrender all. I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. I'm sad. I feel like you're not here. But you know what? I'm jumping in anyways. Because my hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Because Jesus is the only one who can meet where I'm at. 
and he wants to meet us. He wants to meet us in our career, in our job. He wants to meet us right in the middle of our disappointment. There's this woman who had four or five husbands. She was living with Guy. And uh, she was a Samaritan woman. Give you some cultural context. The Jews felt like the Samaritans were half-breeds. Basically, they believed that they were had the same value as a dog, okay? Fido, dog. And then if you were a Samaritan woman, you were below that. Like, like you were so below that that a Jewish man would never be found talking to that type of woman. A Samaritan woman, not even not only a Samaritan woman, but a sinful Samaritan woman. Like, like they would never, they would, a, a Jewish man would feel like her sinfulness would somehow jump on them and then they would have they would be simple. So they wouldn't even look at them, they wouldn't talk to them, they would not address them as humans. And this woman, she doesn't go to the well to get water in the morning because that's when all the women go because in the cool of the day. And then they go at night because it's a lot cooler. It was hot in Samaria. And so she goes in the hottest part of the day. She's going at the hottest part, the most uncomfortable part of the day, so she can be there by herself, so she's not made fun of, so she's not ridiculed. This woman was in her shame. She was completely in her shame. So she would avoid people, contact with people, because she felt so much shame of her past. Jesus meets this woman at the well. Listen to me. God wants to meet you in your shame. He wants to meet you in your shame. He wants to meet you in your guilt. He wants to meet you in your past, no matter what you've done. If your yard looked like my yard last week or two weeks ago, man, God wants to meet you there. Listen, shame is not from God. God did not give you shame. This woman is in her shame and Jesus meets her where she's at and gives her an opportunity to do what? To receive him. Listen, your shame, your past is not your identity. It is not who you are. Your shame is not too much for God to meet you where you're at. That's what this woman thought. She thought she was beyond salvation. She thought she was beyond God. And what does God do? He meets her one person. He meets her right where she's at. God is above our shame. And listen to me today. Listen to me today. Think about the process of how diamonds are made. Lots of heat and a lot of pressure. Maybe the heat you're feeling today, maybe the pressure that you're under today, maybe God is doing something that you can't see. Maybe he's, he's cultivating, maybe he's making some diamonds in your life through the heat and through the pressure and you can't see it right now and your only job today is to trust God through it because he is our hope. Come on, some of you that haven't praised God in a while, you need to praise Him 
as we close out this service today. Really praise Him. The toughest time to praise God is when you're discouraged and sad. But I'm telling you, many times that's when we receive the greatest breakthrough. Man, that's when diamonds are created. When the, the attacks of the enemy are coming against us and we say, hey, Satan, I'm not letting you have the victory today. Because I know that Jesus said it is finished on the cross and I am not my shame. I am not my guilt. Because that shame and guilt was finished on the cross. No matter where you're at today, God is ready to meet you right where you're at. Because he has treasure for your life. And he has acres and acres of diamonds for your life. Because God gives us a hope and a future. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as we go into our response time. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you've drifted from God and, and your front yard looked like my yard. And you need to make a recommitment to Christ. You need to make a recommitment that God is your hope today. Again, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, just slip up the hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes, thank you, God. You can put your hands up. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask this morning that we would all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sin. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, you will be my hope. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give them a hand clap today.